bem-vindos ao podcast What Drives You. Aqui exploramos histórias, estratégias e ferramentas das pessoas que têm bem claro o que é que as move. Por isso, se queres ser uma delas, mantenho-te por aí, porque a jornada vai começar. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the What Drives You podcast and you may notice I'm speaking in English and that's because my next guest is an American, ok? I had a, a fortune to interview Luis Guerra, which is an American composer, he writes for film, uh, TV shows as well as podcasts, which is a niche that it's really amazing and he has done amazing work at Malcolm Gladwell's, Gladwell's Revision History, which is the, the podcast of the author Malcolm Gladwell. So, I uh, actually uh, came in touch with, um, with his work through that podcast and I reached out on Twitter um, and he kindly accepted my advice actually he was such an amazing guy not only on Twitter but also in this conversation as you're about to hear so in the conversation we talk about his uh, about his relationship with mu with music, with jazz, with Latin music, with all kinds of music, as well as how does he approach the different projects that he has, what he values in the in the process of making music and in the collaboration uh, that he has with other musicians, producers, directors, everything, and. Basically, that's it. He's a really nice guy and I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. I'm really sorry for my English. I'm getting better at it and that's it. We'll see you on the next episode. So, okay. here we go. Welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of the What Drives You podcast. And today I have the amazing Luis. Luis, thank you so much for doing this. Um, and Welcome. I wanted to start with a question, which, which is... Um, your name, you're an, an American composer, you're uh, in LA right now, but your mm -hmm. name okay. is not a very American name. So can you right. please explain uh, where <laughs> yes. did you come from? <laughs> yeah, yes. so I'm from, well, I'm actually, I am American. My father, so I'm, my name is Luis Guerra, and I, and I take a Spanish pronunciation and, and last, my last name, you know, it's, it's Spanish um, and Luis. Um, so I, I identify as a Latino or a Chicano in the United States, but I am from South Texas. Um, South Texas, like I'm just from a few border, a few hours north of the border with uh, Mexico. So my family, half of my family has roots in Mexico, uh, specifically Monterrey, an area in, in like northern Mexico. And then we have primos, we have cousins and, you know, extended relatives all throughout, all the way basically south to south of Mexico City. So my family um ended up in texas basically before there was a border that was a defined border there was just you were just back and forth rio grande was the border and my family happened to be on the u.s side of the border when it was right. a border so like millions of of latinos or millions of chicanos there's many of us all around uh the southwest specifically and also spread out in america at this point and so i am my mother's family, they are all uh, Eastern European Jews from New York City. So they are, or that emigrated to New York. They, so it was a weird combination. I can't yeah. say that, that that didn't really work out with my, with, but I ended up, so my parents split up when I was very young and I ended up staying with my dad in South Texas until I start, until I moved as a teenager and I started like, you know, finding my own way and getting busier in music. And that kind of brought me, eventually that brought me out west to California to live. 
Okay, yeah. so yeah, so uh, that's so that's that's that's, that's my name, but from. I am an American. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to get. I, I have to ask you this, um, and we may go all over the place. But how does that specific that's combination uh, between uh, Latin music and some Jewish music mm. did did you, did that mm -hmm. influence anything about your style and composing? Yeah. I would say so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I was just thinking about that. Um, I think my love of classical music largely came from my, what my mom was listening to. Cause I, you know, my parents left or my, my parents split up. My mom moved to California when I was young. And so I would see her, um, on occasion and she was always listening to like classical music. She was into ballet when she was young. She, she loved oh, ballet. And so, we listened to a lot of classical music operas and we listened to a lot of jazz. My dad was much more rooted in, I don't know, in Latin music. And so I just, you know, that's, he was, he wasn't necessarily the most um, wide ranging listener, but he, um, you know, there were certain things in the house that definitely we would, I would listen to. And also growing up in San Antonio, that's where that was my city. And then moving to Austin and just kind of being, in that part of, of the country. Um, and I lived also for a while in New Mexico um, with my wife. And there's just this incredible, like, there's just a lot of like regional um, Latin music that is all over um, our country, you know, being played all the time, whether it's at Pachangas, it's in restaurants, it's at bars, it's in clubs, it's being recorded, you know, and there was times where I would work in Miami. So there's like this whole club, yeah. side of it urban thing um but it definitely my roots definitely um it's definitely influenced the way i approach music for sure okay. absolutely i mean I, okay. and for me to say no it would be ridiculous but i don't try not to just identify as like a latin yeah, yeah, musician yeah. i don't i don't i'm not because i'm not latino enough your music is, it, it has those it has that feeling, but it's not Latin music at all. So I, I did some research, and and feel free to correct me, okay. but I, I read somewhere that you started yeah. your career uh, playing double bass. Is that correct? That's right. That's yeah. Correct. So I, I wonder, how did you, you already uh, talked about hearing classical music in opera with your, with your right. family, uh, but how did the double, plays, the double bass came into your life? Okay, so... So back to my dad, he was, he was a musician at one point in his life. And so he had four kids and he had, he made all of us play instruments. And okay. so it was sort of a natural progression. So I started off on drums and then I went to piano for a while, but I wasn't very great at either one and very into it. But eventually when I was around 11 years old, somebody, uh, a friend had a bass guitar and I, and they just lent it, it landed at my house and I was like, wow, what's this? This is cool. So I started playing it and then very quickly was like, this is super dope. This is really cool. Like I want to, you know, I wasn't even thinking like, oh, I'm going to like do this for my living. It was just the bass was like, it just was like, it, it worked with my sensibility. It was like enough, there was enough rhythmic elements and enough melodic elements for me to be like, this is really cool. As I went to high school, I started out at a high school that didn't have any music, but then I transferred to a public school that had an orchestra. And in the orchestra is where I learned about double bass and I was blown away. And that's what, that's what hooked me in. But very quickly I was like, Oh, I want to improvise. So I started using the bass to play jazz. I was much more motivated towards improv, you know, improvisation and 
learning, you know, learning how to play jazz. And mm -hmm. so the double bass was really now the double bass jumping ahead now, you know, and I'm in my forties. So jumping ahead, you know, let's say 30 years, I still use the double bass on a lot of my soundtracks and like in my composing style, not just double yeah. bass, but like bass, bass yeah, in yeah. general. I use like synthesizer. I do all kinds of stuff because it's all so very useful. And that comes from my time with the double bass, studying yeah, the double bass. Because so. that's, that's, that's one amazing thing, thing about your um, compositions is that the bass, I, 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 before I, I knew that you started at the double bass, um, I was listening to some of your songs and compositions and I was thinking, man, the bass in here is so good. You just, and, and it's not just mm. the melodic aspect, it's, it's like the, it, even the, the, the equalization of the songs, it's, it's really, really on point. And then mm. I read that you started playing Thank uh, you. double bass and I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. So let me um, <laughs> go yeah, and, yeah. and jump into sure. jazz. Go. So I, yeah, okay. sure. I, I, I love to improvise and it's the one thing that I really love about uh, music. And I, I'm really curious to know mm -hmm. what in, I mean, improv improvisation is a whole world, right? So what, Correct. do you like about uh, improvisation? What led you to start uh, improvising in, in high school? Well, okay. Uh, interesting. Okay, interesting. Um, what led me to improvisation is my love of jazz, the sound of jazz, the ability for people to basically compose on the spot was fascinating. That would blow my mind. The double bass was such a foundational, important instrument in that, in that genre, and, you know, speaking very yeah. broadly, that you could literally, I mean, I remember there was a time in my life I didn't know what the bass sounded like. Like, I wasn't aware of it. And then as soon as I remade the the realization, it was like all of a sudden the bass. And then it, it's like, oh, shit, the bass is everywhere. everywhere. It's omnipresent. And it's, and it's foundational. And it's the bridge. And it's like it's supporting the rhythm and the harmony. And it's the foundation. Then I started studying classical music and realizing these concepts about composition a lot of it has to do with playing around the foundation or the tonal center or the tonic, you know, to just start getting into music theory. And the bass is so necessary so that you have counterpoint and you have different, you have motions, you have the oblique motion, you have motion of melodies against a bass. And so if the bass isn't rooted, then you can't have all that cool stuff happening in the upper frequencies. And to me, that was fascinating. So to bring it to jazz, the ability of watching jazz musicians perform on a bandstand doing it live was to me, it blew my mind, right? I was like, holy crap, what the hell are they doing? You know, yeah. they're making this up as they go. And then you realize like, well, it's not really, they're not making it all up as they go. They're using their song forms. There's, there's different uh, ways, there's different methods to improvisation there is and so it's really like you start to realize that jazz improvisation say per, you know specifically really those musicians were some of the best at the in the business they were they took all of the ability they took all of the music theoretical components they put it together into their brains they practiced uh, so much that they were able to go onto the bandstand and just play it and yeah. like stream of consciousness and to me that concept is so dope that's so rad that's so like masterful that you know like to, to really see people and hear people do it on a level that's a, that is you know it doesn't it's hard to find that now but it existed 
we have recordings and there are people that are doing it nowadays so for me just to go and like be around it or be a part of it or try to do it you know because it is very challenging you know for me that that changed my life and the bass was always the way that i would get into it because really there weren't that many people like as i moved through my life there weren't always that many bass players that could read music, they could write music, they could improvise the music, that knew their skills, that knew their like devices. And so like, if I could show people that I could do it, show them whether it was on a jam session or show them through discussions or just show them through my playing, uh, a lot of times I would get called to, to do it. And then this started turning into my livelihood and my this is just became my job. And I much prefer doing this you know, playing music, yeah. like improvising or playing jazz or whatever, um, and just all music, then say my other job as a cook, you know, yeah. I was like cooking and like I did, I, to me, it was just like, oh man, I don't want to work in restaurants my whole life. I want to do music at a certain point, but it wasn't, it wasn't my life's goal. It just naturally evolved. And the improvisation, the ability to improvise was so important. So you, I need to ask you, it, was there a, um, I mean, it's definitely clear that you love jazz and uh, the the importance that you said about improvising in double bass, but I have to ask you, was, was there a specific gig or album that you heard and made you, that blew your mind and made you that um, interest into jazz world? Hmm. I mean, I love jazz, but I wasn't a total, I wasn't, it wasn't the only thing I loved. It wasn't the yeah. only kind of music I loved. So I I love jazz like I love many other genres of music. I right. just felt that jazz was jazz was a way for me to really get deeper into the study of music because ultimately at the core of this I'm a fanatic about music, music. and like yeah. I'm very obsessed about learning about it and studying and jazz was the way in that made sense to my brain. I wasn't very good at classical. I feel like it was hard, it was very challenging. I wasn't always able to follow the rules and so jazz was liberating when i heard let's see the gentle side of john coltrane that changed my life and then when i heard kind of blue that changed my life and then when i heard a record by john mclaughlin called it was shakti it was the first shakti record with el shankar and i can't even i can't remember the it was el shankar zakir hussein john mclaughlin and i can't remember who played the mirror Dundam, but anyway that blew me away and so i started to think i'm interested in like the people in the world doing all like combining the shit like the people and i don't know if i can curse on your podcast yeah but, like, yeah no go I ahead was, go ahead go ahead i mean i i, I was like interested in the war i was interested in the people that were really like they were what i started to realize as later in life the people that were intersecting genres to me yeah. that was the most interesting and yeah. so then so those fundamental, those first records really blew my mind. Giant Steps would be another one. That really was like, holy shit, what the hell are they doing? Like, what I couldn't understand it. But the, yeah. but the, but the gentle, the gentle side of John Coltrane was something that really, I don't know. It just shifted the way that I understood music. Do you yeah. know that record? I don't know if you know that record. That that yeah. record is class. That's a classic Coltrane record, and it's like. The inner plane of that and the like the beauty yeah yeah the beauty and like the elegance and the sexiness and like the like and the emotional shit that was going on in that the conversation was so like it just made such an impression on me similar though 
to when I started listening to punk rock, when I started listening to hip hop, when I started listening to funk, you know, yeah, jazz was one of those records. Yeah. Well, the yeah, first yeah. time I heard Led Zeppelin, you know, yeah. like the first time I listened to a Led Zeppelin record, I was like, holy crap, what the hell are they doing? You know, those are moments in your life you can't really, you, I don't know, it's just the needle moves a little bit and you're like so blown away yeah you know and yeah but anyway that's back to jazz but we could talk about jazz i no, do no, love no, jazz I no, no, like, no 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 i understand but but that's that's the most that's the thing i mean all I, I listen to a lot of music and even in the jazz world the jazz musicians that i like the most are the ones who come and bring elements from other all over yeah. the place into their music so okay. that's fine so i i, I would let's yeah. leave jazz and there are I, a lot I'm, yeah there are there yeah. a lot yeah there are a lot of those people that influence me a lot of people from brazil people from african immigrants to new york city you know there are a lot of people there was hip-hop going on too when i was growing up and that was a yeah. very strong part of what influenced my thinking of jazz and of improvisation right yeah. so anyway they're all related. So let, yeah, I'll, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't so, mean to cut uh, you off. No, no, that's that's fine. I, I, I'll I'll I have another question, which which is when did you start composing your own songs? So uh, because I mean, mm -hmm. to me, when I started to play the guitar, um, I only start composing after I don't know, probably playing the guitar for four or five years was the first time that I actually started to 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 compose. But I'm curious about yourself and mm -hmm. how did you start composing music? I just started like it just I don't remember not composing you know oh, what I mean like I don't remember ever maybe. I don't remember ever I don't remember like not sitting at the piano and trying to make shit up and I don't remember I don't remember picking I don't remember ever picking up the bass and not trying to write a bass line and then eventually trying to comp what eventually I realized was like, I'm trying to compose a piece of music I just didn't know what yeah. I didn't have any framework for that so I was young. I was, I'd say probably like 11 or 12. I was probably like getting into it. Now, by the time I went to college is when I started to see, oh, I can go and learn about orchestration and arranging and start like writing. And that was the first time I like started working on a film soundtrack for uh, like an independent film yeah. and started really having a thing. And I started writing music that, were gonna, that was going to be recorded on records for artists or myself or whatever and so i started like go we were actually book studio dates and so it was like you know back then it wasn't it was different than nowadays where everybody has a studio on their laptop back then it yeah. was like you the only way you could go record you got to go pay for a studio so i was doing that by for sure by 16 17 i was writing songs for whatever band i was playing in um and and just really I was trying to make my contribution and it wasn't really, I wasn't thinking anything of it. I just thought that, that you're just supposed to, this is music. You're just, mm -hmm. this is, yeah, yeah. everybody makes up music. <laughs> they yeah, make, sure. they make their own music. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. so, you just go, you know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think there was a, there was, yeah, there was no, no one permitted me to do it. I just started doing you just, it. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's I, right, right, yeah. I, I read somewhere and once again, feel free to correct me, but that, um, of course. Com writing uh, or composing soundtracks, um, you started composing a soundtrack in a circus. Is that correct? I did do a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah so, and uh, performance uh, art. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I got into like writing. Tell me about that. Okay, so there was a time in my life in my late let's see, late twenties, early thirties. I my for family reasons, I ended up in New Mexico and in New Me in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, Santa Fe is a beautiful place. It's very artistic and very creative. 
for whatever reason, I fell into a working with a group of artists that were they were circus performers and they were they were performance artists and they would do like street theater and they would do performance. They just do like you know pop up theater and they would throw on circus. They would make circuses and so some of them for some of their shows they needed soundtracks and so I just was the, I was like a guy that got asked to do it and I was like yeah, yeah sure. So I the last one I did was in two thousand and nine for my friends and it was called Circus Luminous. And out from that, that was the one where like, I, I actually like wrote the music, hired a pit orchestra and we actually performed it live. And that was like more of like, you know, it was more of like a, like a theatrical performance. Yeah. Well, out of that, that, I'm only bringing that up because that time I met Gerald Freed, who was, he composed like the soundtracks to like Roots, um, Star Trek, Gilligan's Island, like he's a really like old school, um, big time, uh, very famous uh, Hollywood composer. And he approached me and was like, what are you doing? Why aren't you working in Los Angeles? You know, and, and, and kind of put that spark of like, man, you need to go and do this, but do it out there. And that really, and then I think within a few months, I just ended up moving because like just the way it all worked out. But had I not written that piece for that circus I would never have probably well I don't know if I would never have, but I probably would not have made the jump uh it to come to LA 10 years yeah 10 years ago yeah yeah that's that's a great story so I, I, I it's precisely what I want to talk about which is soundtracks which is um uh, okay. your main your main uh mm -hmm. gear uh and yep there's there's a lot of questions that I want to to ask you, but the first one is: Can okay. you just give us? You you told you told us that ten years ago you made that change to LA, and can you just yep. do a quick rundown of these ten years of, uh, writing okay. soundtracks there? Yeah. Um. So like, so I came to LA. This was the second time, basically. I was in LA in the '90s, uh, working in post production. So like working on commercials, whatever music, pitching music for whatever was I was recording bass. So I was starting to work in LA. I just didn't, couldn't figure out how to make, like make it work. It was yeah. a, Los Angeles is a very, it's a very challenging place to. It's very expensive. It's very cutthroat. It's very fast moving, and you know I just didn't really have that many connections or really this the confidence probably to pull it off at that point in my life. So. Jumping ahead, 10 years ago, I had a friend of mine who had a studio in Venice uh, and he had a room open up in his building. So he's like, hey, if you want to come out, we have a studio, there's a studio you could rent. So I'm like, yeah, that's perfect timing. Let's go, I'm going to do it. So I came out and just started hustling, doing whatever gigs I could find um, for freelance composing. I wasn't doing really any um session work that i yeah. would do as a bass player i was just not doing it and i wasn't auditioning i wasn't trying to work as a bass player so like backstory is that for let's see about 10 12 15 years i worked as a bass player like so yeah. the double bass got me work and so i did yeah. that and then i was i was composing and arranging on the side when i came to la i was like i just want to compose music yeah. for so I would take whatever jobs I could, and there's some ghostwriting jobs, there was music preparation jobs, there was arranging jobs, there was job, there was, I would work on like TV documentaries, I would work on, um, there was like a film th that I would jump on to, any, anything I could do to get my, A, my skills, but also like pay my rent and also yeah. like, you know, learn more about what I was doing. That's what I've been doing. And that has 
that's turn like if you go on my IMDb, you can see some of the projects I've worked on, you know, over and that doesn't mean that I was like writing all the music for like a soundtrack, but I might be a contributing mm -hmm. composer or I might have licensed music or I might have been a, an arranger or an orchestrator. And I started to realize that I have because I know how to read and write music, I can also go and work for other composers. I can work for producers. I can do I have a, I have skills that are allowing for me to subsist as a musician while I build my kind of my composing career because it is very competitive and it is hard to do it when you're you know um when you're can you hear me or did I lose yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah it's so so it is like you know it's it's amazing to think that this has been 10 years it's how fast it goes by is my point you know and even like even like getting into the world of podcasts that was sort of I wasn't looking to do that that just kind mm. of happened and that has become a really great way to work but also i'm working on awesome projects like i work on i'm working with malcolm gladwell on a show you know on his show i work with stephen dubner on freakonomics those are great shows those are yeah. great people their teams are amazing they're 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 producing their production teams are these people are like very 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 um, at the top of their game you know yeah. what i'm saying so it's so it's good to be part of that but I'm still also working on television. I just, I, I, and, and again, the world of TV and film, it's been changing. So in 10 years, it's like, I'm also witnessing a lot of changes in our, in my industry, you know, and yeah. now we have COVID, so it's changing even more, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I'm very lucky that I continue to work and that I have my studio and that I've been, you know, blessed with jobs. I'm very, very lucky and I'm very thankful for that, considering where i how I started this, you know, yeah. where I came from, yeah, you know, um, but like, so, but there have been some really great projects along the way. So, I mean, I could talk about those, but I, I don't really like to brag about myself. And I also, I have my website. I'm always like, go, yeah. if people want to know more about me, just go to my website or go to my IMDB and do all that, you know, and there's shit. Yeah, there. and do, do their own research. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go for it. So you were telling me about if, um, if people want to search for your um, stuff, yeah. they can do it on their website, totally. uh, on your website. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. do have a specific question, which is, I mean, your uh, your curriculum is amazing and there's a lot of great songs that you wrote, uh, but you you were just telling about the, um, the podcast world. And that was something yeah. that just blew my mind because I, I was used to listen to podcasts, uh, interview podcasts, right? So. I, I and for the first time that I heard uh, Malcolm's podcast, the way that you mixed sound and music with a part, it, it just blew my mind. I, I wasn't ready for mm -hmm. that. That's one of the things that really made me fell in love with uh, with with your work, especially because and let me just say this publicly, I really really love your um, the the main theme from Revisionist History. It's just oh cool. <laughs> beautiful Great. beautiful so i, I was you. wondering how did you uh went from soundtrack uh in in movies to podcasts yeah so well i still work on yeah uh, films. Sure, sure. yeah as whenever yeah for sure and that you know I, I i love long form um it's they're different um but anyway there was i think what happened with podcasts was i i did some work with a producer let me think about this. Um, I worked on a few short 
radio documentaries for the BBC, for BBC Radio. Um, and I sent some music to a contributor to CNN. And then CNN Latino was a basic, that was a very brief, there was a brief moment where there was a, there was a network called CNN Latino and a producer a friend of mine was working there. So he was asking me for music. My friends are contributing to the BBC were asking for music. They were also doing stuff with WNYC, which is where Freakonomics used to be. And so through that network, I think my name started kind of like getting out as somebody that could write music for, I guess, for audio documentaries. And so podcasting five years ago or six, let's go back six years even, it was not it wasn't like it is today yeah you know so sure. now it's you know it's huge there's there's budgets for podcasts there's you know office spaces for podcasts there it's it's a there's it's a media it's a portion of the media that no one really saw coming i think and so a lot of those people are still friends of mine and they're still yeah. producing now they're just now they've moved on they're the executive producers or they're uh, you know they they are they're movers and shakers in that world. So they're still, the whole time I've been sending them music and, and fulfilling their requests. That didn't change. So they are just now, they've been now, well, they're in a position now to employ me to do these jobs when back, say five or six years ago, it was a little bit of like, hey, Luis, can you help me out? Or would you be willing to, or yeah. I don't have a lot of budget, but... Yeah. I think this would be really cool if we had a piece of music too. And then as, as podcasts have, have developed, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell, I mean, he's had, I, what, how long is he? Five years of his podcast. I've been working on it since the beginning. I want to yeah. say it's five years. We're going to, we'll start the sixth year next, you know, 2021. But he's had basically the same team of people. They have expanded it. There's more people researching and more like, producers helping out but the core people it's all the same people because it's such a rad that's been a rad gig and they yeah. that's been a rad project that's been a really great on many for many reasons you know for many many levels but they're they have very they've grown like everybody else so like you know even like coming up with the theme song that was sort of just a pitch that i sent them with maybe two other pieces of music at the time i think that's how it went um and they just started using it. They're like, this is cool. We like this. And it was an early version of it. It wasn't really fleshed out. I didn't really finish producing it. You know, it was yeah. just kind of like, here's an idea. And lo and behold, you know, it's become, it's like I get hit up about that all the time, you know. Yeah. And this past year, I hired my friend who is a platinum, multi-platinum record producer. I was like, man, I have a budget. You should come and help me produce a version. I've already written the song. It's my composition. I've already arranged it, you know, but you produce it, you know, make this sound cool and modern and whatever. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, I wouldn't have done that five years ago. That didn't yeah. really exist. You know, it's hard to get people to, it's, it's, it's hard enough just to get people in the film world to commit to doing stuff. But then in podcasting, people are like, they don't really know. And now everybody is seeing that podcasts have taken off and that it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a valid medium. It's becoming very serious in Los Angeles and in New York because I see people pouring money and resources into developing podcasts because some podcasts now are becoming, it's like they're the seeds of a show for yeah. like Amazon or for Netflix or everybody, Spotify. These are all, people are seeing the potential here now to, you know, package an entire 
show or a film with a podcast is like the kind of foundation that yeah. didn't i didn't know that five years ago that yeah, did, yeah. that's For sure that's, so that's it's really changed and so i kind of just kept going with it and just kept marking it but it is a different way to compose music like i don't compose identically for podcasts the way i compose yeah because that, that was tv show yeah that was precisely my question which is well how, okay. how do you approach uh and what are the main difference between composing to let's okay. say a movie and to a podcast so i think i think well, so i'll start backwards i think podcasts i'm always thinking about immersion immersion right immersing the listener into a world based on that episode and now that episode could be part of a story that's serial right that could be like maybe it's 10 episodes that's that's discussing one story right mm -hmm. so it's almost like similar sound or similar themes throughout the whole time the whole all through throughout the whole um series Jeez. right or yeah. or it's like malcolm gladwell saying where it's like revisionist history right where each episode is different so it has yeah. a different character and a different it takes a different shape and a different sonic quality and that to me is much more it's much more challenging in some ways but we've already established a framework and a sort of a sound that we're gonna that i'm gonna pull from so i'm not trying to reinvent the wheel every time i'm not trying to you know redo it every time yeah. so the purpose there is to really make it almost as if you don't even know that there's music, right? I'm trying to make it so transparent that you're just like, wow, I'm just listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Wow, that's a dope, that's a cool story. And it's just almost like just a subtle nuance. Yeah. Now in film, there are moments where I do that, but in also, but I don't always do that. It's almost like sometimes in film, I feel like I have to set the stage. I have to like, there's a hard transition. So it's like, I'm gonna do, go big. I'm gonna go like, here's a bigger theme right mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna like whittle it down and maybe there I'll, I'll underscore because the action on screen it doesn't need a lot of music or vice mm -hmm. versa maybe it does need a lot of music maybe it's a fight scene and the director is like hey i want you to score this but make sure we can hear the dialogue okay well let me work on like so it's got to be really energy and like a lot of stuff going on you know it's like really intense but we yeah, got to be able to get them yeah talking. yeah so it's very different. We don't do that in revisionist history. I don't do that for any of the shows I work on, really, for the most part. I think Deep Cover was probably the only, that was the closest, but even then, that was more of like the producers taking the music and they're kind of laying it in the way they want. And the mm -hmm. other side of podcasting is I try to like keep the sound relatively small, but sounds good. Like, so I spend a lot of time on production, on mixing, and like, you know, I'll spend an hour on just the bass, you know, or on our on just right getting this getting the blend between the strings and the bass right because i don't want when i'm working on a podcast i do not want to just do cliche stereotypical music and i feel like that's the that's sort of where podcasts have gone the p the podcasts that do use music now they kind of do sound very similar and there's not a lot of ingenuity and i don't think there's a lot of time or budget for a lot of podcasts but the few that are spending that say are like really you know that have hundreds million plus listeners they have budgets and they are spending time and they want this to sound really good so i have to spend time in my studio um really shaping the sound so that when you listen to it on your airpods or on your earbuds it really just sucks you in 
you know, in a way where you're like, shit, what was I just lit? Wow, that story was crazy, you know? When, like, yeah. when you're watching a film, it's kind of like you've got all your, you could be in a movie theater and there's, there's all of these speakers and it's just the experience and it's like, you know, they, it's different. It's a different experience. Yeah. Even if you're watching it how, at home, it's a different experience, you know? So those are the main, the main differences. Difference. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. I, I never thought about it, but the, I, 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 I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 99% sure that uh, it, the way you said it about putting them in podcasts, putting the songs and blending in, blending in with everything else. And the main difference between a movie where you want the music sometimes to be really, um, yes, I mean, it set the stage Dramatic. for what's happening. Uh, yeah. and, and I never thought about it, but I'm pretty sure that most of the episodes that I've heard that for some reason you you produce or you you compose music too, they do precisely that. It's 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 only when you're finishing and you hear uh, in revisionist history Malcolm saying music by Louise that you understand like oh yeah there was music right you, you won't music. get that exactly. in, yeah in, right in, in exactly. that so that's, right. that's amazing. So um, I I have just a little bit, uh, some couple more questions. Uh, the yeah. first one is. How do you, um, and this is, uh, I'm really curious about this because uh, I, I love uh, compose, composing music as well, composing music as well. And mm -hmm. so how did you come up with your ideas? So what's your, what's your process? Right. right. So like, and, th and I get asked this a lot and I have another, I got a thing on Friday. I have to do this and they were explicit. They're trying, the question was posed to me. They sent me the questions ahead of, ahead of the interview that I got to do on Friday. They asked me, do you use a guitar or a keyboard when you sit and write? And I think like they're music people, they're asking this. And I was like, I don't necessarily use either one because yeah. I, the way I learned to compose, I learned first of all from, um, I had a great composition teacher who's also taught me like arranging and orchestration, but he, his name's Cesar Bovale. He was, this is he's old school dude. He's from Cuba. He's, you know, he's a Cuban guy. Um, and I would say Cuba, I'm going to like, you know, brag on Cuba. Cuba has some of the best musicians in the world, hands down, they have. They, it's like, it's, I don't know what they do to people, but they're just like, they're just like, just the, like the basic average person and not, not trying to dumb anybody down, but the average person on the street knows more about music than people that have their master's degrees and they've gone to study music yeah. in, and I, and I, and I stand by that statement. I'm telling you, like, it's true. Okay. So. So I learned from, he was one of my teachers and I, I bring him up because he really taught me how to compose music without an instrument. And that to me was, that's like, that's magic shit. That's the like, that's the, that's the fucking Harry Potter shit. That's the like, that's the, that is, that's the wizardry of, that's the high art. You know what I mean? That's the, or that's the, whatever, the dark art, whatever. I'm not yeah. a big Harry Potter person, but it's <laughs> like, that's the. If I could, I was like, I remember when I was, I, many times in my life up until the point where I could do it, I just remembered thinking if I could sit and learn how to write without using an instrument, I'm actually going to be like, you know, I'll, I'll feel like proud that I've actually like done something with my musical life because yeah. up, up until that point, I didn't, I needed an instrument. And so a big part of what I do for composing, say for a Malcolm Gladwell episode, which is already so full of information it's yeah. so complex on so many levels what i'm trying to do is distill and hear the hear 
I'm basically following the Malcolm's lead on it and maybe and his editor, like who steps in or editors who step in, but definitely he has a great editor, Julia Barton, who I'm, you know, shout out to her. She's amazing. But like she'll, the way they kind of edit down these episodes, you take the episode and it's like, there is a musical identity there. I just have to find it. And so it's my job. They're sending it to me because they trust that I'm going to do it. And so far I've done, I've been able to do it, but that musical identity is subjective. You know, it's like, it's, you would hear it different. My wife would hear it different. My studio mate would hear it different, but I hear it the way I hear it and I'm going to commit to it. Yeah. And by committing to it, that's how I'm going to start composing. And then once I commit to it and once I hear what it is, and I mean, let's face it, like I have to work quickly. I have to write, it's a lot of music that I need to write for podcasts. So I can't sit there. I'm not hiring an orchestra to do all of this shit. Like I don't have the time. Yeah. There isn't the budget for that. And I don't necessarily, I'm not going to spend that much time. Okay. So I have to sit down and make, maximize my time with my instrumentation and my sound, my influences, my idea based on what's been given to me. And then I need to really like get going on it because otherwise I'm going to run out of time and then the deadline hits and then I'm behind. So yeah. I don't, I can't, I have to keep doing it. So the way I do it is I just, I really like, I read the script or I have a conversation with a, a producer, you know, or producers, if whoever is, reaches out to me. And then I just imagine, what does it sound like? Or maybe they had an idea, maybe like for one episode, they're like, well, you know, for this, we really think that there should be some reference to 80s, um, you know, 80s new wave or yeah. to, um, you know, early 80s Elvis Costello, you know, and it's like, great, that's a great, those are like, you know, and I'm not, I'm just thinking like randomly or like, yeah, sure. Some episode we do on the South, maybe we should hint at, you know, Southern inspired sounds without being so on the nose that it becomes a jingoism or becomes yeah. like, you're so on the nose that it's like, it's annoying. It's like whenever people hear, they think of Latin music and they're like, well, there's the mariachis. Cue the yeah. mariachis, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of shit. You really have to find it. And, and that's what a takes subtle so way much to, yeah. There is, so once I get into that, that's really where my process starts is like it's imagination and the imagination might happen when i'm out taking my dog on a walk to the beach or it might happen when i'm making dinner for my family like it doesn't necessarily mean that in the time i'm sitting in my studio which is full of like instruments i mean i could show you it's full of like all these tools it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm gonna have the answer to that yeah you know what i'm saying and then yeah. i gotta get into it but but that's that's the amazing thing about the skill you mentioned, right? The the, the ability to play me or to create music without an instrument because you're you're at the pitch with your dog with your dog and suddenly you get the answer and you can start that's it. Yeah, that's it. it's it, it's great. So I I'll have just uh, uh, two more questions and one of them is about a quote that I saw on your website and that I, I, okay. I loved it, which is you tell you said that, that my music creates mood, ambience and pacing for collaborators to tell their stories. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty self, uh, it. self explanatory, but I would, I mean, when I, when I was doing some research and I saw this quote, uh, I thought that's such a beautiful and almost profound way to look at music. And, 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 mm. and because it is, because you're basically mm. saying, um, look, I, I, I built this stage as, as it's almost as if music is the stage for someone to tell an history. And I think that's beautiful. And uh, I just wonder, mm. I was just wondering if, how, how, how did you come up with that 
music philosophy. And I'm not sure if I'm making the well. Okay, I'll tell you. I think it's I think it's almost like a reaction, right? Because I think what I think the downside to like many um, of my colleagues <laughs> composers is that people don't want to collaborate and they only want to do it their way and they don't want to take direction or hear notes or hear the feedback of like what didn't work. Yeah. Okay. And I'm almost saying like, no, my starting point is like, I'm, I want to collaborate. Like I, I'm not writing songs. Like I'm not a song. I mean, I can write songs. I have written songs, but I'm not pursuing. I only have so many hours in the day. I'm pursuing my career to create a vibe for a show right yeah. for for media that's what i'm doing for a podcast for a show for a tv show for a, a, a movie for a theme song that's what i'm trying to do if yeah. i don't if i'm not willing to collaborate then most likely i'm not gonna like a work or b i'm not gonna have anybody that wants to collaborate with me because yeah. i'm just saying like no it's my way or the highway like you don't know shit like i am the one that you know what i'm saying and then all yeah. of a sudden and so it's almost like my philosophy is really it's reactive like i don't want to be the person that says no you can't give me notes or i know what it should sound like or i'm not like no because to me the process of investigating and like deep diving into what that it's like you're solving a problem but like each episode is different and so if i think i have the answer and i'm not willing to listen to somebody what if it's not the right answer you know yeah. what if it's what if i'm wrong you know then what now you have no time and nobody wants to work with so yeah i figure like yo you should like you know hit me like late like send me your ideas you know if you got a reference piece of music that's fine i don't have like music is vast man i mean i'm i'm i also am i also say this very humbly like i'm extremely lucky to work as a musician you know like i like for for decades you know like this isn't this isn't a year this is like 30 years going on 30 years okay so yeah. when i say that i'm serious like i'm a very this is not it's i don't am i a known person not really you know like am i famous nope uh, do i have a lot of money not really that's not why i don't pursue music to do that music yeah. for me is it's very vocational it's very much like this is what i do man and if i don't contribute and collaborate with people then yeah. I won't do it. Then it's, I'm, it's just not going to happen because otherwise I need to be a really good songwriter and I don't have those songs. So. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And, and, and That's actually, it. The, That's the, it. another quote that you leave on your website, it, it, it's precisely that. And it all starts with idea, but then the part that you enjoy the most is the collaboration. And, it, and you explain it like perfectly it. right now. Yeah. So I like it. Luis, um, yeah. I just, I'll, I'll have one more question, which is the last question, okay. but let me just, I appreciate um, it. Yeah. now let me just ask you, uh, before that last question, if people want to connect with you or find you, yeah. uh, you and your work, what they can, where they can search for. Yeah, they just, I mean, they, you can, uh, my email, they can email me. They can go on my website. Uh, I don't know if I have my email on my website. I know my manager is on my website. He doesn't want to get emailed by a bunch of people, but <laughs> he's been yeah. but, uh, right. But we can, you can post a link to my, I don't do a ton of social media. I, I'm more, I kind of use social media as a way to stay current with what's going on. Like, right. you know, I don't, I'm not out there trying to recruit a lot of followers and yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. I just don't spend my time, my waking hours doing yeah. that. So I would say that that's not always the best way to find me, but you found me on there, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You I was extremely lucky. So, so, yeah. so, I mean, maybe, maybe that's, 
maybe that's a good way or like go on my Twitter or go on my Instagram. I mean, I don't, like I said, I'm not, I do this very much um, Low under profile. the radar in a sense. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, I'm like, I'm kind of like the guy like behind, I like being behind the scenes. Yeah. I like not, I don't want to attract too much attention for doing this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But, yeah. but I, but, but I like to, to stay busy doing this. Yeah. And so if people want to reach out to me, especially for a project or like a movie or a show idea or a pilot or a podcast or whatever they, you know, they should, because I, you know, two reasons. One, I'm always loving to meet people and come, you know, and again, collaborate and like keep, just keep working on stuff. But also I have a lot of music that sits in my library. That's that I license to people. So yeah. like, there are a lot of like pieces of music that I own the rights to that are literally sitting there that people are like, Hey man, if you have any music, you can share with me. And it's like, well, let's work something out. And so, and people do hit me up that way, you know, on my All website right. or whatever. And that's, yeah. that's the so, best way probably. Yeah. And we'll leave the links to, to the website and your, your cool. social media. So let me just ask you, let me just start by saying, thank you so much. You were just amazing. Well, well, oh, appreciate so, it. Our, our last question or my last question is sure. the one that I do with, to all the, my guests and okay. it's the one that gives the name to the podcast, which is what drives you? What drives me? Hmm. Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> well, well, I have a 13 year old. That's definitely <laughs> my, my daughter. Definitely, I have a, I have a family to support. No. Um, what drives me outside of that? Um, I don't know what else I would be doing. I don't, I, there, I, I don't, I'm sure I'd find something, but I really, I just feel, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, there isn't one thing that drives me as I wake up every day other than like, I just want to make kick-ass shit all day long, every day. And music has been the vehicle to at least attempt to do it. Do it. I'm trying my best. You know oh, yeah. I mean? And you're nailing you're it. it. You're nailing it. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, Joao, that's really nice to say that. But like, I mean, it is a, it is, it is a, uh, it's not an easy task, but it's very gratifying. And if anybody feels the inclination to do whatever it is in their life that they feel driven to do, and they have like a, like an actual concrete thing, all I can tell them is like, wake up and do that shit every day and eventually you're going to be doing it like that yeah. that's that's my motivating force and i will do this as long as i can that's yeah a hundred percent unless something happens or something changes i'm going to do this shit as long as i can <laughs> yeah that's amazing Luis. thank sure, you so man. much uh, All right, so man. to everyone listening thank you so much for watching you can subscribe to the podcast at spotify uh, and all the other platforms and cool. see you in the next yeah. episode Thank you.